It's not something I understand My circumstances seem so confusing I'm placing it all in your hands Your ways are higher than mine I want mountains to move You want me to climb So I'm gonna trust your work Your will in your time Your ways are higher than mine One day I'm sure I will look back and marvel at how you knew best all along. You see from heaven, you know it's the hard times that make my faith steady and strong. Your ways are higher than mine. I want mountains to move. You want me to climb. So I'm gonna trust your work, your will in your time. Your ways are the Lord would want. What a song. What a thought in the song. Some go through hard times. Maybe some this morning are there. And God's letting you know you're not, you're not alone. He's aware. Amen? 
We might not be able to figure it all out, but he's always in control. He's always fully aware of his children. Amen? Amen. Well, Romans chapter 10, where we give liberty to preach. Julian's only going to be around here for a little bit longer. Sorry to discourage the parents today, but she's she's short timer. She's going to graduate soon, and she'll be off to college. And next thing you know, she'll be finding some idiot at college. <laughs> Excuse me, he'll find her. That's that's smart. Brother Paul, next thing you know, she'll be getting engaged and coming down the aisle. Isn't that a blessing? Didn't that encourage your heart today? Before you know it, then good stuff happens. Grandbabies come. One of our grandson's birthdays today, we sent him a message from Grandma and Grandpa. Little Brennan. He's not so little anymore. He's almost up to my shoulder. He's... We got a granddaughter who's going to be graduating, I think, next year. It's amazing to me how fast time has gone. I know I don't look like it. I got a son in his 40s now. It's my, we were raising our little ones. My wife said, there'll be a day they'll all go to high school, and they'll all graduate and go to college. They'll all get married, and they'll all leave the house, and everybody but Joe. And uh, he has left the house. He's got his own place now. You know, having him around to help me, he's got some health issues, it kind of would, you know, it kind of, sometimes he'd come in a little late or something and wonder how he's doing or how he's feeling. And I thought, man, you know, he needs to get, he wanted to get his own place again. He did. Now I wish he was back because I worry about him more now than he, when he was with us. But uh, that's what happens, Paul. You just grow up, have kids, baby, leave you. She'll probably marry a missionary and go off to who knows where. Then you got to buy plane tickets to go see him. Yeah. Are you encouraged? That's <laughs> what I mean to do. But she's a very gifted, talented girl. We look forward to all our young people, what they're going to do for the Lord. And that's what we want, for the Lord. For the Lord. Have uh, Mary right and raise godly children and serve the Lord with gladness. You can do that. Well, Romans chapter 10. I'm going to preach this morning this thought, confessing Jesus before others. Confessing Jesus for others. And I have a reason for this. The last several weeks I've made a focus on our salvation. And uh, we've been dealing with uh, certain subjects. It's been a fruitful uh, series. Didn't intend it to be so. Just kind of led that way. We dealt with faith and then a message on repentance and then the new birth and justification. We've had three or four people saved during these sermons. And, and then last week we all enjoyed hearing about heaven. Amen. Our glorification. Well, then the Lord kind of directed me to this message about the first thing you do after you come to know the Lord is confess him before others. I always tell a new convert, a new, newly saved person, now go tell somebody that you've trusted Christ. And I want to talk about that this morning, the different ways we can do that. But I don't know. We may take a few sermons through Sundays now and talk about the steps after someone is saved. Of course, serving the Lord, finding a spot in the church to do something for God, things like that. But today the Lord directed my, my thoughts to this thought of here. Confessing Jesus before others. Romans chapter 10 is a great verse regarding this. Verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for God 
uh, to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that, notice, believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness, which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness, which is of faith, speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend up into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend unto the deep, that is, to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man, watch, believeth unto righteousness, and watch this, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is, is nigh unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this sweet service we've had thus far. Uh, we thank you for the song, well sung, how it touched our hearts. Lord, I think you've prepared the field. I pray now the Holy Spirit, your sweet Holy Spirit, that you'd help me preach this sermon. You've blessed us. We've seen some souls saved. And Lord, we're grateful. There may be someone, a child or an adult among us, that does not know Christ truly as their Lord and Savior. We pray that, dear Holy Ghost, you draw them unto your dear Son, Jesus. And then, Lord, we pray for the saints, those that know you. You'd encourage their heart in whatever way you deem necessary. It may be a rebuke. It may be a reproof. It may be a, an encouragement. Lord, we'll leave that to you. But your people need encouragement, Lord. They need instruction. Lord, help us all that know you that we might reach out, try to win others to Christ through our witness. Now, Lord, bless. Please be in the service with the children. Let them understand your word at their level, Lord. Please be with the deaf. Help them as Brother Adam back there preaching to them. And we ask these favors in Jesus' name. Amen. Confessing Jesus before others, I apologize I didn't put this on earlier, but you know, uh, I, as I was saying, I always, as soon as someone comes to know the Lord, I, I always encourage them, go, now go tell somebody, go, maybe somebody brought you to church, or maybe it's a loved one, maybe it's a friend, uh, go tell somebody that you just trusted Christ as your Savior. And there's a number of reasons I'm going to get into that this morning, why we ought to do that, but uh, here we see this subject, these subjects we've dealt with so far, faith and repentance and the new birth, justification, glorification. And uh, in, in what this message is about is becoming a true disciple of Jesus Christ. 
The word disciple means follower. There were many in the day that Jesus ministered on the earth that were followers of him. But they weren't disciples of Jesus Christ. Same word. The word follower just means somebody who follows. So there were many teachers in that day. There were many scholars. There were Pharisees. There were Sadducees. There were these religious groups around. And they had their, they had their keynote speakers, so to speak. And somebody would go hear this one and go hear that one. But Jesus was different because he was the Lord of glory. When he preached, I mean, he preached with authority and preached with power. Even the Pharisees said he's different. He preaches with authority because he knew who he was. And he knew where, why he came to redeem fallen man, to honor God, to do the will of his father that sent him. Amen. But the word disciple means a follower or a student. Now, some people in the day that Jesus ministered on earth, they followed the Lord to see a miracle. The Lord would do many miracles. And I mean, it would be, I don't know, I think it would be all right to see a miracle. Wouldn't you like to see a miracle? And the Lord was known for his miracles and he'd do these things. He'd, he'd feed 5,000. He'd raise the dead. He would heal the, the lame. I mean, people, who wouldn't want to see something like that? But there were, there's a crowd that just wanted to follow him to see, oh, maybe he'll do a miracle. And then there was a crowd that followed him for a meal. I think they were independent Baptists. That's what we do. We, we're always eating. We, Tika last night, she's a new student in our, our Reformers Unanimous program. She brought her husband again, Reggie. He was here a couple weeks ago. And they were here for Old Fashioned Day. What did we do? We ate. So last night I said, listen, we don't eat every time we come to church. But we pretty much do. Because we're Baptists. Amen. I'm the, I'm the poster child for Baptist cooking. So, but anyway. Anyway. Some followed him for just a meal, just something to eat. They didn't care what he had to say. They just knew he gathered a crowd and they, they all got fed. But there were some, they followed him for different reasons. Here's the reason I want to follow him, and I have followed him. He saved my soul, and I want him to be my master. I don't care about, I mean, I'd love to see miracles, and I have seen God do some miracles. And, you know, obviously there's, there's meals, both physical, but also spiritual, to feast on the Word of God and the things of God. But I want to follow him as my Lord and Master. He's my Savior. He saved my soul. I'm going to heaven when I die because of Jesus Christ, not because of me. But I'll tell you what, I want, to, I want his Lordship in my life. I want to follow him. I want to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's what my message is about this morning, to be a true disciple. But I want to say this. There are many people that get saved. They get born again. They believe. They have their sins forgiven. They start out okay, but they don't go on to follow the Lord. And I could tell you myriads of reasons why people stop following the Lord. None of them good, but it happens. Yes, there are some that fall along the wayside, and they're not saved, that's evident. But there are some Christians that don't get in, if you know what I mean, as far as following the Lord. They get saved, they're going to heaven, they made a profession, they meant it with all their heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. So they meant it. But you know what? I want to encourage each and every one of you to follow the Lord through your life. Make him Lord. Let him use you. That's his intention. But some follow somebody else or some other group or their own wishes and wants. And they, they, they get off course. Now, why is this? How, why does it happen? What are some of the reasons? And I, I perhaps have a main culprit today of why some don't fully fulfill the potential the Lord has them in this following Christ or being a disciple of Christ. And I think it's this one thing of not confessing Jesus to others. 
It's important. It's one of the first things we're told about in Scripture that once you trust Christ, then share Christ, speak Christ, witness for Christ, tell somebody else about Jesus in your life. So that's my spotlight. That's what I thought the Lord put on my heart this week, confessing the Lord before others. Look back at chapter 10 again. Look at verse uh, 9 again. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth. See that word? The Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So if you're a Christian, don't, don't be ashamed of Jesus. Confess him before others. Tell someone about your faith. Share with somebody what's happened to you once you trusted Christ as your Savior. Amen? I think when Pam got saved a couple of weeks ago, I told her, go tell somebody about it. That's what you should do when you first trust Christ. I usually do that. I believe it's scriptural to do so. And I want us to see that this morning in the Word. It's biblical. In verse chapter 10, verse 9, 10, and 11, we read this. He says, verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But we're told to tell, to confess, to announce, if you would. Confession is mentioned in these verses, but also Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, Jesus said this. He said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Hey, listen, I, I want Jesus to confess me. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to confess him, but I'm so glad he confesses me to the Father. Some people might say, well, I don't know about that Steve Brown, if he's the real deal, if he's really saved. But you know what's important to me? I want to have a good testimony. The most important one is the Lord says, oh, yes, he is, and here's why. Amen? 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 3, the last part of the verse says, No man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Spirit. So if we're truly saved, then we won't have a problem with confessing the Lord. And some people are truly saved, but they don't. But there's other problems. There's sin in the life. Or there's an unwillingness to yield to God and, and let him bear fruit in their life. That's a problem. But this, this confession of Jesus it simply means to profess faith in him as my personal Savior and Lord and to openly, listen, identify myself with Jesus as both a believer in him and a disciple who intends to follow him from here on out. That's a good definition of a, of a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ. But some have failed to do that. They've failed to follow the command of Christ and seek the, the next steps, if you will. And therefore, they're very unfruitful and they're not very spiritual, although they may be saved. I've often seen people that don't submit to confessing Christ before others. They grow very slowly. Now, if you're saved, you're going to grow. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things are become new. There will be a measure of growth, but when a disciple doesn't want to go with God's command, growth will be slower. And these type of Christians will struggle in their Christian life. And sometimes they may not even appear to be, at different times, a true follower of Jesus Christ. I'll give an example of this. There's some people that confess the Lord. Now, we're just talking about confessing. There's some people that confess the Lord with words, but not with life. I think they go hand in hand. I know this, when I got saved, God changed me. I mean, he changed me. And that's that verse. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. I was a new creature. 
And then some, they live a Christian life, and some go beyond just confession of lip, but still not life. And, but some say, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll confess him at home. And that's good. You ought to confess Christ at home. But they still don't do it in public or at work or among family or friends. That's a better level. It's not, it's not not confessing him, but confessing him at home where other people in the family maybe go to church. and That's great. But you know, there's a world out there that needs to see Jesus in you. The hope of glory. And some people are just afraid to do that. I understand that. I get that. So they do it at home, but not out in the world. And then some, they get past the home one, then they go to church and do it. And that's good. Confessing Christ at church is good. With other Christians, it's good. But still, there's a world out there that needs to hear what Jesus did for me, what Jesus did for you. And we're commanded in Scripture to do that. The Bible had just told us, it says that if thou shalt confess the Lord Jesus with thy mouth and believe in thy heart that God hath raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him should not be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. So go beyond the fact that you're saved. Show it in your life. Use the words, but show it in your life. Show it at home, but show it in the world. Show it, show it at work. Show it among friends, family, neighbors. Show Jesus Christ. Speak of Jesus Christ. That's truly confessing Christ. There was a man in the Bible in John chapter 19... His name was Joseph of Arimathea. He was, a, he was a religious leader of the Jews, important man. He, he helped the Lord Jesus. But here's what it says about him in John 19, 38, that he was a secret disciple. Then it adds the words, for fear of the Jews. I don't want to be a secret disciple. Jesus wasn't secret of me. He died on the cross for me. He shed his blood for me. He walked Calvary for me. Amen. He took my sin upon him. He took, his blood washed away my sin. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ, he died naked on the cross before others. It was a shame to be put to death in Roman days. That's why they went through all that. It was a shame. It was a curse. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That's what it said. Jesus did that for me. So now I'm saved and I'm supposed to be ashamed of him? I'm supposed to be a secret disciple? No, no. John 7, 13, it says here, Howbeit no man spake openly of him for fear of the Jews. Yeah, it was hard to be a Christian in the first century. They were, they were killing Christians. They were taking them off to prison. In America, where you and I live, it's not hard to be a Christian. We have liberty. I knocked some doors yesterday. We... We met some neighbors. We, we left some literature on doors. We, we can do that. And sometimes, you know, you'll run into somebody who doesn't like it or tells you to get off their lawn or don't leave your garbage. And I, I've had a few times, I, I hasten to say anything because some say, oh, that's why I won't. I've had people cuss me out. I've had people do terrible things. People spit in my face. Not, not that often. But it, it, it's happened. But it's not like in other countries when you name the name of Christ and you have threat of death. Thank God for that pastor got freed from Turkey. 
What a wonderful thing that we could get that man out of there. Back to his family. Why? Because he was a Christian. Because he confessed Christ. Man, that's in Turkey. It's hard to live for Christ in Turkey. There's places in the world you can live for Christ. You're putting your life in, in jeopardy. Not here. Why would I be a secret disciple? Why would I be ashamed of Jesus? And here's the reason for fear of somebody. Proverbs 29, 25 says, For the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be saved. There's something about us. We're afraid sometimes to say something because somebody will think something about it. Somebody will say something about it. Somebody will think we're not. They, we got in some kind of a cult and all that baloney. But there's real fear. But here's what I got us to see. God has asked us to be his witness. If he's done so much for me, why can't I do that for him? 12, John 12, 42, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also, many believed on him, but because of the, of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. See, in that early time, it was, man, it was tough to be a confessing Christian. Because if you did, you may lose your place in the synagogue. Your family might not have anything to do with you. You might lose your job. You might even be thrown in jail. They might even want to put you to death. That was reality. Thank God some stood. Thank God some confessed. Thank God some said, I don't care what you do to me. I'm going to confess the name of Jesus. Here's my question. Are you a secret disciple? Think about it. Are you a secret disciple? Does anybody hear the name of Jesus from you? Do you ever confess him before others? Jesus said, Matthew 10, 32, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. What a privilege to be Jesus' disciple. Why be ashamed? Now, we're not, to inst we're not instructed in the word here in Matthew 10, verse 11 through 12, which we already read about confessing him. We're not told to confess ourselves. See, we make a mistake. We think it's all about us. That's us. We're not to do it. Say, so let me tell you what Jesus did for me so I can go on and tell you how smart I am, how many scriptures I know, and I can tell you the, Ezekiel's wheel, and I, you know, I could just, I could tell you about all this, a black helicopter theory. I could tell you. You got it wrong, friend. If you're just talking about the Bible and what you've studied and what you've learned so everybody knows how smart you are, you have missed it. You're putting the spotlight on you. You want everybody to know how much you know and how much you study and how much you want to share with them. Hey, if that's real, if that's real, wonderful. But if you're just wanting to show, you've missed it. We're supposed to put the spotlight on Jesus, not ourselves. We're not instructed to confess ourselves or our particular church. Hey, I love Parkview Baptist Church. I think it's the best church on the planet. And I think if a pastor didn't feel that way, I'd not be pastor. Amen. I, I believe it. Amen. I think the members, I say, oh, I love my church. I love my, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I even love my pastor. And he yells and screams at me every once in a while. I love him. That's good. That's fine. But we're to be confessing Christ. He's the reason. Jesus Christ. Preach Christ. Witness of Christ. Confess Christ. And not, listen, I don't know, maybe we've got some physics. Not your denominational tag. Now, I'm a Baptist, but Baptist didn't save me. Jesus saved me. 
maybe you're a Methodist, maybe you're Presbyterian, maybe you're Catholic. I don't know. I don't know what you might be. Your background is that's great. If you're saved, that's wonderful. I'm glad you went to church. I'm glad you have a, a pride in where you came from. But hey, I'm not told to confess my Baptist. I'm told to confess Jesus Christ. To profess Jesus Christ. And then some, they, they profess a general God. Just God did this and God did That's great, but you know the cults do that. We're living in a day that everybody talks about God. But some of them that confess God don't even know God. You can't know God unless you know the Son. One name under heaven given among men where I, you must be saved. Acts 4.12. One name. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes to the Father but by me. You're not getting in heaven without Jesus. So people talk about God. I am called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. And no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. So these religious groups that go around talking about their doctrine, trying to get people to go their way, they don't believe Jesus is God. That's false doctrine. That's antichrist. But people go. Again, yesterday I saw the Jehovah Witnesses out in my neighborhood. Boy, they're diligent, but they're wrong. Because they believe that Jesus is just a good man, he's just a prophet. Not God, not Savior of the world. But I'm a saved person. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. And so my job, according to God's word, right off the bat, right as soon as someone gets saved, is to confess Jesus before others. And so I'm going to give us a few reasons why we ought to do that. First of all, why should we confess Jesus before others? Well, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that, for the scripture says, whoso believeth in them should not be ashamed. I should not be ashamed. I should confess Christ. First reason, here it is. It's a big one. Why should I confess Jesus before others? Because God said so. That's good enough right there. The Lord said so. The plan of salvation includes an open confession. I believed on Jesus Christ as my Savior in 1974. That's almost 45 years ago. Phew. I don't know, some of you could stand up and say, oh, I was saved in 1944, or 39, or 62, or whatever. Some might say, I trusted Christ in 1985, 1991, 2005. You might even say, I trusted Christ in 2018. Wonderful, wonderful. Now confess him. Tell somebody. Confession of Jesus is evidence of a true heart belief. When we truly believe and receive Christ's open confession will increase our faith. The Bible says in John 1, 12, but as many as receive him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. Have you believed on his name? I have. So I confess him with my mouth. It links to a heart situation. That's why we're going to do this in a little while. When you have baptism, that's an outward declaration of a faith that's inside. And I'll say more about that. We can call him Lord then, do not want to do what he asks us. This is one phrase in the Bible where someone's talking to the Lord. I can't remember the phrase right now. But the Lord asked him to do something. I think it was Peter and he said, not so Lord. Oh, he's telling him, yeah. 
He said, baptize me. Not, not so, Lord. No, that was John the Baptist, so it couldn't have been that. But anyway, the phrase is in there. Not so, Lord. How can you say not so, Lord, in the same sentence? He's either Lord or he's not. It's either yes or it's no. Not so. Okay, finish that. Not so. Won't do it. Not so, Lord? Doesn't even make sense. So I want to say today, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, say yes. Yes to everything God says. Lordship denotes honor and acknowledgement and obedience and allegiance to Jesus Christ. Now, there's a group. Some people say, Lordship, salvation. I don't know if I go. I get it because there's a group that, you know, they just focus on that Lordship part. He can save anybody, and he does. And it's not hard to be saved. You just do what he says. Call on him. Ask him. Receive him. And so the Lordship crowd, they overemphasize that. They can make that so important that they miss out on the, the simplicity of the gospel. So somebody can get saved, but then again, if they don't take that next step, they don't grow like they should. They don't honor God like they should. And sometimes their life doesn't go as God intended. So we should declare Jesus Christ openly because God says so. The plan of salvation mentioned in Scripture, again, it, it, it includes an open confession all through the scripture, and we don't have time, obviously, on a Sunday morning, but think about the people that confess Christ as Savior. They openly told Matthew, sitting at the seat of customs, the, the centurion, uh, the 10th the leper. Remember that the Lord healed the lepers and just one came back to, to thank him? Zacchaeus, uh, Mary Magdalene, uh, Nicodemus, the blind and the halt and the lame that Jesus healed. That was all believing in him and on him. Joseph the Arimathea. A secret disciple, but then he got it, and he became an open disciple. He was the one that gave Jesus his, his, uh, his tomb as a rental tomb, because he wasn't going to stay there just for a few days. Mary Magdalene, Jesus' mother Mary, she openly confessed Jesus as her Savior. How about the Apostle Paul? Buddy, he said this, I'm one born out of due time. Paul said, I... I shouldn't have even got in. That's how I feel. How, how did I get in? Man, if anybody didn't deserve it, it was me. That's what Paul was saying. He even called himself chief of sinners. Sometimes we don't see ourselves for what we really were and really what we still are outside of the grace of God. Amen? And so the plan of salvation includes open confession. The Lord of the harvest expects open confession. Acts chapter 8, verse 1, And Saul was consenting unto the death, that's Stephen's, and at that time there was great persecution. Then in verse 4 it says that the disciple went everywhere preaching the word. How can people not want to hear it and avoid it, and then something happens and now they want to go out and preach it? Especially when they knew in that environment, in that day, that culture, what we want to talk about today, was so dangerous. Something had to happen to those people for them to not want anything to do with Jesus Christ. And then four verses later, or a little while later, they go around preaching Christ. I'll tell you what happened. They got saved. They got born again. The Holy Spirit came into them and they realized, I'm going to confess Christ before others, no matter what it costs me. The future day of judgment requires an open confession. Jesus will stand before Jesus and he'll confess us to the Father. Uh, I said Matthew chapter 10. Listen to verse uh, 23, uh, 32, excuse me. It says verse 10. Let me get to it. Verse 
32. It says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I also confess for my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, woo, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think about that next verse. Then the sacrifice of Calvary demands open confession. Jesus died openly for me. Why should I not confess him before others? He's a great example. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 13 says, Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate, listen, witnessed a good confession. Boy, our Lord. He took our place. He confessed us. He said, I'll take these sinners' sin. I'll be their Savior. Amen? What an example. Luke 6.40 says, he says the disciple is not above his master. Hmm. There's a book in Proverbs. There's a, there's a verse in Proverbs that talks about the servant riding the horse and the master walking. Should have wrote it down, but there's a verse in Proverbs. Now, when you see that, that's, you know, the master's the one who rides, the servant's the one who pulls them along, right? And it reminds me of how many people, they, actually, that's the way it is. They have Jesus as their Savior now, and Jesus is leading and guiding them. They think that's spiritual, why they ride on. That's wrong. Riding on that white stallion denotes authority. He's the Messiah. He's the chosen of God. He's the Holy One of Israel. We need to recognize that in our daily lives. So openly confess Christ. How can we live secret lives of church and then live the way we want to in the world? How can we be ashamed of him who wasn't ashamed of us? Hebrews 2.11 For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. That's my Lord. How can we confess Christ? Okay, we need to. How can we do it now? Well, 1032 tells us that we'll confess. If we confess him before our Father, he'll confess us. If we confess him to others, he'll confess us to the Father. Verse 32. Every truly again born again Christian should start with confessing Christ. Immediately after salvation, by word of mouth, Mark 5, 19, uh, the madman of Kedera, who Jesus had healed and helped and got the demons out of him, it says, He saith, Go home to thy friends and tell great things the Lord hath done for thee, and, he had, and that he had compassion on thee. So when you get saved, go home and tell somebody what God did. Right away. Don't hesitate. The longer you hesitate, the harder it might be. Because then that fear of man comes in. You get so excited about being saved now and being forgiven of your sin, it's so easy to say, well, let me tell you what God did for me. Then two weeks or a month or a year or six months or whatever the time period, because then you might, the fear of man, oh, what will they think? What will they say at me at work? Obviously, Pam wasn't ashamed. She's got her friend from work here today. What a blessing that is. Some people do it. I'm not going to tell anybody. They might think something weird about me. Amen. Hey, I'm, I'm a 70s guy. We had Jesus freaks in the 70s in our high school. I didn't want to be like them. I got saved in 74. One of the things that kind of worried me is, what's everybody going to think? What's everybody going to say? 
Get in that Jesus group. Those young people carried their Bible to school. I'm not doing that. I was afraid. Let me tell you the truth. Pastor Williams, he gave me a block work to do yesterday. I got it. You know where it was? In my old neighborhood. It didn't bother me one bit. I was hoping I'd run into somebody that might have known me. It had to be somebody pretty old, but they might have said, aren't you? They wouldn't even recognize me. Most people today, they know who I am. They remember the skinny, long-haired Fabio guy. But that's not me now. So they wouldn't even recognize me. They probably would have recognized my wife. But there was a time, I was assistant pastor in this church years ago, and the pastor gave me responsibility for a soul winning outreach. We had fish dinner, you know, and we went out soul winning, and I was handing out the blocks, and I didn't pay attention. I gave my block to where my best man grew up with me as a kid, and his parents knew me. And I had to go knock on that door. Now let me tell you something about them. They knew everything about this guy. And I'm going to go knock on the door and talk to him about Jesus? It scared me to death. I knocked on that door like this. I was afraid. I know it. You young people, you, you, I'm, I know it's hard. You can do it. And I know you're afraid of what your friends will say or think at school or at work or in the neighborhood. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. I'll tell you what, they'll respect you if they see Christ in you. Now, if, you're, if you say, hey, I got saved and you still cuss and you still do this, and you still do that, all things they do, they're not going to respect you. But if you change and you're serving God, they might not want what you got, but they'll watch you. They'll watch you. And they, mom and dad, you work at Ford, you work at Chrysler, you work wherever you work, at some factory, some Edison, you might work at a hospital, you might work, you, wherever you work, whatever you do, they're watching you. If you're a secret disciple, then you're a secret disciple. I have run into people before, and somebody says they work, I said, well, do you work with, yeah, I know him. They didn't say, oh, he's a good Christian. He goes to your church. He goes to your church. I know some of you think that I spend Monday through Saturday with binoculars and going by your house and looking in there, <laughs> seeing everything you do. Trust me, I don't. But it's uncanny how much the Lord lets me know things. I said this this morning. So I, said, I heard you went out to dinner with so-and-so. How'd you know that? I know all. I don't, but some people think. You know, I don't even know how we got here, but by the word of our mouth, by the word of our we should not be ashamed of Jesus Christ. And listen, by taking an open stand for the Lord. You know, sooner or later, Christian, you're going to have to stand. You can roll along for a while and not declare anything, but sooner or later there's going to be a time where you're going to have to declare what you are and who you serve. Might as well jump on board right at the beginning. It's going to, it's going to please the Lord. God may use you in that declaration. Somebody may not confuse when they hear, you know, months later or years later that you're a believer and you didn't live like it. They're going to say, what's all that about? Take a stand. 
Exodus 32, 26, way back in Moses' day, it says, Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who's on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him, came and followed. Sooner, sooner or later, you guys say, I'm going to be on the Lord's side. I made a choice. Hey, you know, God has done so much for me. He's been so good to me. I want to be on the Lord's side. I don't care who knows. There was a time where I did care. Not anymore. I look for opportunities. By word of mouth, by open stand for the Lord, by a changed life. John 9, 11, a man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my, my eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siome and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. See, what's all that about? That was that man that got healed and the authorities said, who did this? Who did this on the Sabbath day? All these religious things. All I know is I was blind. This guy took mud and clay and spit and put it in my eye and whoop, I see. He didn't understand it all, but he could see. They wanted to go find Jesus and do harm and he knew it. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, I was blind. Now I can see. That's really the testimony. I was spiritually blind. I didn't understand anything, but now I can see. It's amazing when you get saved how the Word of God opens up to you and spiritual truth opens up to you and you begin to say, boy, I never saw it that way. Now I see it. That's like a bulb lights up on top of your head. You just get it because you have the Holy Spirit within you now. How can we do this, preacher? How can we tell others about Jesus Christ in our life? Well, by living a consecrated Christian life, by, by, alley, uh, by associating with God's people in worship. I want to tell you what. I love the church. I told you I love this church. But I associate with this church. The church is my crowd. I'm not ashamed of God's people. Not anymore. The Bible says in Acts 1.14, These all continued with one accord in prayer and in supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. I, I love the church. I'm not ashamed of the church. But there were some, and even in Jesus' day, that did. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. But if they had been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that it might be made manifest that they were not of us. Are you in? If you are, confess Christ. So preacher, how can I do that? I don't know how I can do that. I can't do it. You're right, you can't do it by yourself. Here's how you can do it, by the enabling of the Holy Spirit. See, because now in us is the Holy Spirit. And he speaks for us. And I can be bold and I can be confident with the Holy Spirit's help. So I'm going to give you just some things here real quick and we're done. Tell someone you know that will not think bad of you. If you're looking, I want to tell somebody, preacher, but I don't, I don't know how and I don't know when and I, I don't know. Well, start out. Tell somebody that knows you well and will not think evil of you. You know people like that. They might be saved, but they're not going to think that of you. They love you. They care about you. They might think, well, that's not for me. You go to church, but they're not going to be down on you or cuss you out. Or Tell somebody like that. Tell a born-again Christian that you already know. Because they'll understand. I'm always confused by people when you meet them sometimes and you door knock, you meet people. So we're, we're Christians. Okay, where do you go to church? Ah, uh, I don't. What's the name of that church, huh? Uh... What's the name of your pastor? Oh, yeah. What's that? Oh, yeah. I, um, uh, I, I don't know. 
I went door knocking years ago. We were back at the property here, knocking on doors with a deacon. Some of you on Merle, Skeeter Ayers. And we didn't get much done calling, by the way. But we went. And this lady came to the door, and we're inviting people out, come to church, just a block or two away. And she said, no, we, I already got my church. I don't need your church. So, okay, fine. I'll just give you this track. She said, yeah. I said, where, where do you go? She goes, ah, that, turn right there, go down the, block, the church at the end by the park. I said, oh. Is, was it Parkview Baptist? Yeah, that, that's my church. I go there all the time. <laughs> okay, all right. We're glad you go to church. Gave her the track left. <laughs> we got back from calling about an hour and a half later. Phone rings. It's her. I'm sorry I lied to you. I didn't mean to lie to you. I... I used to go there. You know, people are funny. You talk to people about knowing the Lord, but yet they don't act like they know the Lord. Or you talk to them about, why don't you come out to church? Well, that's none of your business and stuff like that. You think if they're a Christian, they'd be saying, yeah, that's great. You're a Christian. I'm a Christian. Well, I already got a church. I don't need to go to yours. Fine, but thank you for coming. I, I, I get that sometimes. You, know, you're going to, you get that where somebody says, well, thank you. I've had people say, I know what? We already got a good church. They preach the Bible, but thank you for being out here trying to help people come to Christ. I've had that. I've had people come on in. They give you hot chocolate. It's in the wintertime you're working or, or hot tea. And they talk about the Lord and you have good fellowship. You're not trying to get them to come here. They don't want to come here. They got a good church. That's fine. But to run into Christians and say, I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven when I die. Okay. Now, none of your business leave. We don't have nothing to do. I don't get that approach. I don't get it. Tell somebody that's a Christian that will be excited that you got saved. Because they'll get it. They'll understand it. Amen. Then tell someone that genuinely loves you, but they don't understand spiritual things, but they love you, and they won't judge you for it. Somebody that cares about you. Here's one way, and we'll be done. We're going to do it here in a minute. Tell your newfound faith in Jesus Christ by public scriptural baptism. Jesus said this, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Paul said, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death, and like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Ephesians says, One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Colossians 2.12, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Acts 8, 36. And they went on their way. They came to a certain water and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Acts 10, 48. And he commanded him to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Acts 16, 15. And when she was baptized with her household. I could go on and on and on and on and on. The Bible teaches when you get saved, you should be scripturally baptized. I don't know. We have a candidate this morning, and she's willing, and she's excited, and I'm glad she is. There may be somebody, you've been saved. They've been saved for a while, but you've not yet confessed Christ before others. And I know what might be hard. I know some people deal with shyness. I, I know some people deal with fear of water. I've seen it a few times through the years. I knew a guy, he's in the ministry today. He's about six foot ten, and he's about 330 pounds. And that boy was scared to death of water. And he didn't want to get baptized. It took forever for him to get in the baptistry. When he got in the baptistry, he fought the whole time. They got him baptized. 
He's a pastor today. I don't know what he does about baptism. Maybe he has his assistants baptizing, but he was deathly afraid of it. We had a young girl in the church for years, Corey Ryburn. I remember Corey. Corey was scared to death. She wanted to be baptized, but she was deathly afraid of water. I get that. Some people are afraid because they maybe have a health condition. We had a man here. Uh, he got saved. He was married to a lady at the church. As a matter of fact, he's the one who gave the, the flagpole out there after his wife died. He paid for that to be put in. We put that in there. He got saved, wanted to be baptized, but he had a pacemaker. Back in those days, that was all new. Pacemakers, my goodness. Now they go home the second day after brain surgery. Back then, that was something big. And he, preacher said, I was assistant. They said, no. He said, I don't know if I should. Pastor, maybe you should talk to your doctor. No, no, I want to get baptized. So it could be a health thing. It could be fear. It could be, I, I don't know. My dad had a stroke. And, and he... He, he couldn't take care of himself. He's paralyzed on the left side. But when he got saved, he wanted to get baptized. And I said, Dad, you, God understands you. No, I want to get baptized. And it took, Bob, you helped me. Mike helped me in that baptism. We put him in a chair and leaned him back. It was, and he came out of that baptistry water going. He, the stroke had him. He, he's so happy crying. So there's some of you, you've been saved, but you haven't been baptized. You ought to be baptized. Why? Confessing Christ. Go to all the world and preach the gospel. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Because Jesus said so. Be the best thing you ever did. Confess Christ right away. And baptism is one of those first steps. So I don't know. Maybe there's one or two that's a preacher. I've been saved, but I've not been baptized. Listen, God will bless you. Or here's what will happen. You'll decide not to. And you'll still grow slow. And there'll be a day that you'll say, man, I wish I would have. I'm telling you, it'll be one of the best days in your life when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It'll free you up. I'm telling you, I was there one day. I knew. But uh, I didn't get born again through baptism. I got born by trusting Christ. But I knew I had obeyed the Lord, and I felt so good about that decision. And the Lord was pleased. Amen? You can go forward and do more for God. Let's bow our heads if we would ever head by today. Two things. One is, maybe there's someone here today, I don't know, that you don't even know the Lord. You, you're religious, you go to church, you know about God, generally speaking. But do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Has there been a day, has there been a time where you admitted, yes, I'm a sinner, I, I need Christ as Savior? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You called upon him. He saved your soul. You know it. Wonderful. There's some, maybe, one or two, don't know that. Today you can come. We can take you and show you in the Bible how you can call on Christ as Savior. And then maybe you've been saved. You know the Lord. But you've not confessed Christ in scriptural baptism. Today would be an opportunity. We're baptizing today, tonight. How many would... Come and say, Preacher, I, I've been saved, but I've not been baptized. I realize that today. And by your own, by your own choice, you say, Preacher, I, I want to do this for the Lord. I know I need to. Then, my friend, you can come. We'll talk to you and try to help you with this decision.